Listener Production. Where we left off, I was going to travel to Baltimore in the US to have an operation on my nose. And in the lead up to that operation, I am nervous and anxious and excited and overwhelmed and frothy and scared and terrified. Uh, Michael and I thought it was probably best if I went by myself, uh, just because if Michael came, then the kids would need to come, then they'd be out of their routine for two weeks and I would just be in a hotel room trying to recover. And so even though, of course, I'll miss my family, I think it's the right decision, but it's still going to be the first time I've ever had a surgery or had an operation and gone through recovery by myself. So the month prior, I'm just busy, right? I'm working nonstop. I'm trying to get all my content filmed, speeches done. Usually with my experiences, it, it takes around four, four to six weeks to properly recover. But for this operation in particular, there's no guarantee as to what it's going to look like or what it's going to feel like. So, you know, if I was thinking about a worst case scenario, I didn't want to be having a face that looked worse or a nose that functioned worse and book in a whole heap of work for the four weeks after the operation. So I decided to just do it all, all before so I could have time off after the operation. So I was on the road, I was working late. And so I ended up missing a lot of time with my kids. Uh, and I remember the last 48 hours with them. It was like those last 48 hours were in Technicolor. Like it was, it was magical. And I, it's so strange how our perceptions of stuff change when there's an end point. You know, I was enjoying them laughing and cuddling them and their playfulness and their soft skin. We all slept in the one bed, curled up. And, you know, if I wasn't going, I think I would have gotten annoyed at them, like for not finishing their dinner, for not listening at the water park, for climbing up into the fridge and eating the jelly beans. Um, but because the time with them was finite, I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of uncertainty about this operation, what it would look like, what if it looked worst. What if I didn't recover fast? What if I had to stay there for even longer? What if it makes my breathing worse? What if the surgeon makes a mistake and takes off a big slice of my face? What if the plane crashes and I leave my kids without a mother? Again, I have a tendency to overthink and catastrophize things. And yet I felt, I felt good when I reversed out of my driveway. And as I was reversing, a big blue butterfly landed on the window of the driver's seat right next to me. I'm not sentimental. I don't believe in messages from the universe. I don't believe everything happens for a reason. But no shit, this butterfly sat on my car mirror like a good luck charm for my trip to Baltimore. And so I think a lot of things helped me feel okay about this operation. Um... I tried to focus on the positives. 
The surgeon was highly recommended. I knew he was one of the world's leading nose reconstruction guys. I knew that I had met him and he seemed calm and rational. He seemed to know what he was going to do. I'd met him. I'd met the team. They seemed lovely. I knew that my in-laws were coming up to be with Michael and the boys. And so I knew that Michael wouldn't be, you know, rushing home from work to pick them up. I knew that Huckabye would go to after school care and that he loved it so much and that, you know, when I go to pick him up, he's always annoyed that I, that he's not the last one there. I knew that I was going to stay in the same hotel where I stayed for my consult and the room service at the hotel was really good. I knew that I was taking my Bioptron lamp, which would help me heal. And I also knew what to do after an operation because I've had them before, right? You got to eat lots of good wholesome food. Pasta, bread, cheese, salads, oatmeal, pancakes, roast veggies, steak, seafood chowder, you get the drift, right? Lots of food, lots of calories for healing. The more, the better. You've got to rest, you've got to relax. I knew I could go for gentle walks outside if I felt like it. I knew that my Bioptron lamp would help speed up healing. I knew my event creams would help with the healing. Then I knew I would see my surgeon a week after the operation And then I would go home a couple of days after. And so the one thing I was actually really worried about was being lonely because like I've said, I've never recovered from an operation by myself and call me squishy, but I do think being surrounded by people that love you is so beneficial to the process of healing. And so I got out of my head and I reached out to friends and family And I looked at a world clock and I literally scheduled in times to FaceTime them. I was like, part of me was reluctant to do this because I didn't want to come across as needy. But then I thought, fuck it. All I've got to do is just ask. Um, everyone said yes. I made a spreadsheet. I like being organized, especially when I am stressed or anxious about something. And I also thought that if I was really not coping mentally, Then I had a break glass in case of emergency plan. I would go back to the hospital. I would tell them that I was struggling and I was confident that we'd be able to come up with a plan. I also knew that I had heaps of work to do. Had to write chapters for my book, had to update the cash forecast, I had to do post-campaign reports, I had to create new content for a couple of speeches. And I know it might seem sad and a bit tragic, like working after an operation, but I genuinely love my work and I knew that I would be, I would be grateful for the distraction. And I knew that I really wanted to get my nose fixed. And Michael and I have been engaged for probably eight years now. And I just, I can't, I don't know, I just can't see myself marrying Michael with how I look now because when I think about marrying Michael, I want to, I'd like to look really good, you know. I want to have a nice big smile, a nice even nose, long glossy wavy hair, my big eyes, you know, my shoulders will be tanned and I'll, I'll wear a flower crown and black pearls and my boys will walk down the aisle in front of me. Every step I take, I'll be walking closer to my my beautiful man 
who is the reason that I have the life that I do now. And Michael doesn't give a shit about how I look, right? He loves me now like he loved me before my accident, like he loved me when I had a bored head and I couldn't wipe my own ass. So the, oh, it's not, it's not, it's not for Michael. It, this surgery is for me. And there's a part of me that's yelling, Terea, have you gone fucking mad? You're going all the way to America for an operation. What if something goes wrong? But I'm also pretty used to that part of me. And the flights are booked. The accommodation's organized. The surgery is scheduled. The in-laws are coming up. I've taken time off work. It's all fucking happening. And so I know that all I need to do is get on my flight, keep taking those steps, and before I know it, I'll be wheeled into surgery. I know before they put me to sleep that I'll cry. I always do. Because you're in such a vulnerable position. And I know right before they put me to sleep, I'll be seized by this sudden urgent desire to to check that everyone knows what they're doing, right? And I want to grab them and say, hey, I'm not just, I'm not just anyone. I'm a, I'm a mum. I've got two beautiful boys. I'm, I'm really busy. I love bushwalking. I love riding. I've got a beautiful partner. I used to be an engineer. I'm not, I'm not just a patient. I'm, I'm Terea. I don't say any of it. I never do because I know I'm in a room full of professionals. This is their job. They know what they're doing. I just keep crying. And a nurse usually notices me crying and and holds my hand and pats me on the shoulder. I won't even know their name and they'll extend to me this little act of kindness. I'll try to fight the anesthetic. I always do. It's like some kind of sick game that I play. But the anesthetic will win like it always does. And I'll wake up in recovery and I'll be really sore. And I'll have these little, those little plastic cups of apple juice next to me. And I'll open my eyes and it'll be really hard keeping my eyes open. So I'll fall asleep again. And one of the medical team will ask me how I'm feeling and how much pain I'm in from one to 10. And I always say seven. I always say seven. And I'll ask for water and they'll sit me up and they'll ask if I want some of the juice and I'll say yes. But I'll throw up after taking a tiny sip and I'll fall asleep again. And I usually continue this pattern all night. I'll be so thirsty that I'll take a sip of water, which I'll just throw up again. And by the morning, my, my vomit is always black bile being forced from my stomach. And when the sun rises, you know, I have my breakfast. I have a hospital meal, which is usually cold scrambled eggs with a packet of cornflakes and one of those little milks. Everything's in packets, like aeroplane food. And I'll look out the window and I'll be able to see the sun rising and I, and I know it'll be night time back home. And I'll grab my phone and I'll text my man and I'll say in capital letters, success. And he'll write back straight away. He'll say something like, no way. So proud of you, Dal. Everything all good at home. We love you. I'll speak to you in the morning. And that, my friend, is exactly what happens. More on the results tomorrow. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to Terea Pitt's Pep Talk. Follow to get new Pep Talks every day. Listener.